AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations. Production of iHeartRadio. Yeah. Oh. All right, let's get it. It's dope if you got a problem with that. Down south, chilling at the bottom of the map. Lone wolf, I ain't never following the pack. Got opinions and I got a lot of raps. Talk a lot of crap, smoke a little good. I don't like the strap, but I wish a nigga would. I ain't messing with the cap, I don't even think I could. Just a young black man and I'm living like I should. Spike Lee said you need to do the right thing. I'm fly, I don't even need a right wing. This next episode so exciting. Come a little close, let me tell you what it might bring. Rest in peace, the gift of gab. He's just a beast, I miss the past, yeah. Looking for truth, forever chasing. Truly yours with love, waiting on reparation. Yeah, yeah. Waiting on reparations. Uh, 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 January. Almost a year of being hunkered down and aching in my abdomen. Perpetually tuckered out and agonizing. Leaving me kneeling on the crusted tile. A harsher bit of finding out now that I've fucked around. Throw down the before. Already knew what was the fuss about, but what about the fuss? I wondered if I wondered how might it allow the possibility that I could be a mother now that I've become functional enough to try to run the town. But still it struck me as a clusterfuck, and so I shut it down. That is, until I saw the ultrasound, a little paw, a thumb pronounced, a little heart be thumping. Wow, was all I said. My jaw practically struck the ground as I suddenly really loved the child. Hey, this hey. Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. We are waiting on reparations. Hurry up. I saw this funny like TikTok that was like, there was a guy with all these like words on a piece of paper and it was like drawing a line from like 
you know, oh, Black Lives Matter. Like, oh, are we going to vote, voting rights? Nope, we're going to skip voting rights. And it's like going all around the page. Oh, we're going to skip uh, hate crimes bill. Oh, <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do reparations. Oh, squiggle, squiggle. Like, just going all the way around the page. And then it finally ended on, oh, making Juneteenth a holiday. <laughs> like, avoiding all other material forms of uplift for yeah, black people. For something symbolic. Going straight towards making a federal holiday, which, like, I had a dope Juneteenth. I'm glad that people are, you know, becoming more aware of it. Yeah, I mean, the sentiment, the sentiment is good. Priorities, you know, there's there's levels to this shit. Give us the shit. Give us our fucking forty acres and a mule. Oh no, you can't do that just yet. You can't rush into that. You got to make sure that cartoon characters are voiced by the proper races first, and then. So how you doing? Great. I'm in extreme amounts of pain in my knees and my hips and my everything from uh, jumping around and just kicking, high kicking and flailing <laughs> at El Rocco Lounge in Savannah yeah, um, for I, the half-ass music event over the weekend. Yeah, we had ourselves a little show over the weekend. It was pretty fly. I mean, we were packed to capacity a couple times. Um, you were great. Yeah. <laughs> I was great. It was rock star shit. I had a blast. And it For was sure, dope yeah. because Mariah was performing with like her shirt like up on the on the belly, like like like, like the pregnant belly exposed. You know, I've never okay. I guess, is this the day? <laughs> I've never talked about this on the podcast. No, you haven't, but I mean. So for <laughs> listeners that don't follow me on social media, I am seven months pregnant, and so uh, this is my first show in a year and a half, as well as like rocking pretty like pretty like legit baby bump going on <laughs> um and uh it's funny it's funny because i posted the video of it like on social media and like i get like most people were like oh yes queen but then like some of my constituents got like it started getting shared by like people like voters yeah and people were like getting mad like oh so this is what you do with your time <laughs> and it and it's like, yo, nigga, like, if I had posted a, a video, a picture of me at, like, a UGA football game. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, going to church with my family, recreational, op- op- you know, activities that anybody does. I'm like, oh, that's wholesome and sweet. But it, I absolutely believe that it was something about, like, policing women's bodies and, like, just not being, not doing traditional recreation. Like, yeah. I, for fun, I get on stage and jump up and down and, like whatever um it would not have been the big deal that it turned out to be but uh we had a really interesting stage i was just like you you know and this actually inflects a lot of what i like when i see people like in like rokana's mentions on twitter like fuck you fight harder for medicare for all (laughs) and shit like as a follow politician i mean like their jobs are harder than mine and they get paid more so like you bring them how yeah but also they're people and like they deserve joy and without joy like it's impossible to continue doing your job like if you never have any fun or do anything nice for yourself you're gonna burn out and fucking kill yourself bruh and you know end of the day like i was just very unbothered like yep whatever i'm having fun sometimes being can fuck off it was funny <laughs> when i uh, when i got home that night or no, not even when I got home. I think it was the very next day, like Sunday, was the BET Awards. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, Cardi B, I guess, showed off a new pregnancy via performance. And yeah. uh, she had the bodysuit and the belly was exposed. And I was like, yeah, yeah. man, we did that shit last night. 
something. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> we already we I already have Cardi that. B. Yeah, fucking fall. Yeah, follower. You you poser. <laughs> but yeah, no. Savannah was a great time. El Rocco was actually the last place I played. Yeah, before yeah. the pandemic hit. Same, yeah, same. both of us. Well, yeah. I think you've had a show since then, but uh, it was fun. I had a blast. It was hella hot though. Like it was hot as hell, and that yeah. humidity down there. I mean, we in Georgia. <laughs> So I thought, I was like, oh, it's just, you know, it's Georgia. Georgia is Georgia. Nah, Savannah's different. Yeah, by the middle different. of my set, Being on the I river, was, being by the beach, different, yo. By the middle of my set, I was half naked and sweating like buckets yes. all over the stage. It was, But it was fun, though. Like, I mean, it just reminded me of how much I love performing. Today, we're going to be following a couple stories that we've had our minds on for the last few days or weeks but just never really had the opportunity to uh develop a full episode about but some stuff that we wanted to chat about so we're gonna talk about it today so we'll be you know paying our respects to gift of gab as well as mike gravel who both passed away last week uh talking a little bit about um whistleblowers chelsea manning and her recent like controversy with um investigative journalist uh, Ken Klippenstein, which gave rise to a disrap, which is very entertaining. We're going to get a little bit of our reaction to the Tom McDonald track Snowflake, amongst other oh, things. Oh, boy. And oh, we also have and a then, guest today, don't we? Yes. We're going we're gonna to close it out with an, uh, the conversation with Jonathan Bailey, um, a, a labor organizer at Amazon, as well as former candidate for New York City Council in District 26 who talk, is going to talk to us a little bit about what's been happening in New York post-Democratic um, primary, as well as just a really fa- fan, like just fascinating dude with lots to say about a lot. So I'm stoked to have him on. But yeah, we're going to get to all that and more after the jump. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279. 
or visit cheapoair.com slash podcast. Did you get a chance to listen to the new Tyler the Creator album? I did. I did it and I enjoyed it, but like it like it felt very much like a continuation to me of like the trajectory he's been on. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like shocked by it. The way that like his early music versus like his mid-career music, if you could say, like the transition between like Yonkers to like Flower Boy was yeah. like, very like, oh my god, what is happening? Yeah, like I feel like he's just like further evolving within his Flower Boy stage. And I think it's now for me is definitely one of those albums where it's like I dig it and I can appreciate the artistry behind it, but it's not it's not my jam, yeah. But I mean, yeah, and you can recognize like like oh that is skilled artistry exactly, without like without it, it being like being your favorite thing. thing. Yeah. Exactly. I definitely have two brains about it because it's like on one hand, on my producer brain, I'm like, man, he really, you know, or the, the production on this shit is crazy. And I felt the same way with Flower Boy. I was like, oh man, he he knocked it out the park with this. I don't think he produced all of this new one. But um, still, you know, like appreciating it from a sonic level. It's like, yo, this shit knocks. I like this. But then the rapper part of me is like, nah, man, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I, I much more am listening to the raps more than I am the beats personally. So it's like when a rapper isn't necessarily capturing my attention, it's kind of hard for me to get into the rest of it. But there are some definite standout tracks. And I mean, I... I enjoyed it, you know. It's not like I didn't like it, but I don't know if I'll ever listen to it again. Just me personally. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I kind of put it on in the background on the drive to Savannah and back, but I definitely want to give it like a like a more thorough listen just for more of the lyricism. You know, like sometimes when you put the beats on, or you put an album on and like the beats kind of just like flow yeah. calmly under the surface of your consciousness as you're just like washing your dishes or whatever. And then sometimes you listen to it and you're like, oh shit, that fucking metaphor was hilarious or whatever. And so I, so Tyler's an artist who I will definitely give that third listen to. Yeah. If you have to give it... Out of respect for the, his experimentation and his audacity. Um, whereas a lot of artists, I might like hear them once and be like, nah, that ain't it. And just like keep moving. So if you have to give it a letter grade off of the first two listens, though, because I listened to it Man, twice. Too. Nah, see, I don't. OK, nah. let me think. I mean, I don't think it's a anything. letter grade. It's obvious. It a B. A B. OK. I, yeah, I would I would say I would give it a, a B or a B minus. Like, yeah, 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 like somewhere, yeah. Somewhere in there. So while new music was getting born last week, we also lost to um, two figures, both in the world of politics and hip hop, that have been very influential to their respective spheres. Um, MC Gift of Gab from Black Alicious, as well as former U.S. Senator from Alaska, who represented Alaska as a Democrat from 1969 to 1981. Uh, Mike Ravel, who had become somewhat of an internet celebrity for his 2020 presidential run, in addition to just being really iconic through the decades for his anti-war stances and his no-fucks-given attitude towards centrist status quo um, over the course of his career. So we're going to talk a little bit about Senator Gravel first, and then uh, turn to pay some homage to Gift of Gab as well. So, uh, But um, as I said, um, Senator Gravel, he represented... 
Alaska, and it got really famous for reading the Pentagon Papers in the congressional record. Um, so there's like 40, I think 4,100 of the 7,000 page leaked document that sort of um, got into the Defense Department's history um, of the country's early involvement in Vietnam, revealed a bunch of like fucking war crimes and shit. Like when everyone else wanted to sweep that under the rug, he stood up there and did, in 1971, did this one man filibuster um, to protest um, Vietnam by like kind of dragging folks for all the heinous. Uh, heinous crimes against humanity that were happening over there. The Pentagon Papers, it was like pretty much like a historical recounting of the U.S.'s the U.S.'s involvement in Vietnam. So, pretty much, it exposed that like every step of the way that the government was lying <laughs> about like every yeah. action. And so, in addition to being a friend of pacifism, the peace the peace movement, also a friend of the environment. But jumping back to, you know, this anti-war sentiment for which he was famed. I mean, a lot of my understanding of Vietnam and why it was horseshit comes from, like, cinema. Like, I just remember things like fucking Forrest Gump, etc. And then nowadays, reading up on the ways that Vietnam was a catalyst for, like, anti-military and, like, an internationalist sentiment among people like the Black Panthers who were getting sent to go fight and die for a war that like didn't make any sense to them. They're like, we have more in common with the Vietnamese than we do the, the white men that are sending us to go kill all of them. Um, and so I wanted to uh, briefly discuss another really interesting portrayal of um, the Vietnam War in the song Uncommon Valor, a Vietnam story by Jedi Mind Tricks, in which v- Vinnie Paz and Ari the Rugged Man paint this portrait of like life as an American soldier in Vietnam in Vietnam. Uh, Vinny's verse is more critical of uh, of war, conveying his inner conflict with committing war crimes. And then in RA's uh, verse, he portrays the perspective of a soldier who enjoys the violence, the drugs, the Vietnamese women, but who comes home to have two children who are born with disabilities as a result of his exposure to Agent Orange. Let's check out so a let's bit of that. give that a listen real quick. I don't know why I'm over here. This job is evil. They sent me here to Vietnam to kill innocent people. My mother wrote me, said the president, he doesn't care. So yeah, no, it's um this track is it's really, you know, heavily inspired by you know, as you were talking about cinema and works of fiction and stuff like that. It's like heavily inspired by Vietnam movies. You know, there's uh, there's a little bit of the deer hunter in there. There's definitely some platoon allegories. Um, yeah, I mean, this is it's a classic Jedi mind trick song. It's super haunting. Yeah, and it's very nuanced. I mean, between the two, the the two seemingly contrasting perspectives and the two different verses. But then the fact that even at the end, the the guy that enjoys war, that like loves killing people, loves getting like pussy or like whatever. Um, you know, he, he, I guess, like, you know, it's the middle of combat and he gets hit in the chest with a bullet and he, like, he starts having a flashback to his childhood, starts having this, like, epiphany of, like, uh, Muslims and Jews and Christians and blacks, whites and Asians, all people, like, you know, in peace together in this moment where he's, like, you know, I guess in, like, shock. Um, and then ultimately, even if he's like, oh, yeah, war is cool, whatever, he, like, ends up being impacted by it um i think that's like very real like a lot of people who go to war and like don't see anything wrong with it and think it's fine but ultimately come home and are suffering the ptsd uh physical um ailments as a result 
uh, your ch- your ailments that their children can sometimes um, uh, get, and like you're, no one can actually escape the horrors of war. Ultimately, um, even if like they aren't, they don't feel that internal conflict while they're in the battlefield about like what they're actually doing out there. So I thought that was like really profound. Um, but that they per- per- they capture that perspective. So jumping back to Senator Gravel. You know, he knew he knew the shit. He was against war through and through throughout his career. He launched his quest for the 20, uh, 2008 um, Democratic presidential nomination as a staunch critic of the Iraq war. Um, and, you know, he on the debate stage just gave these fiery comments um, at the debates in the forums, just like against war, against keeping our troops in Iraq. Um, you know, against nucle- nuclearism. Yeah, you might have seen the clip because it's gone viral since, but there's a clip of him during the debate in 2007 or 8. They're asking, yeah, he's up against like Hillary, Hillary Biden, Biden, and, and Obama. Obama. And they're asking him, you know, which one of the candidates worries you in terms of the, the topic was about uh, the U.S. striking first or making like a preemptive nuclear yeah, like strike. Strikes, yeah. So they're like, you know, what worries you about these candidates? And he was like, well, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm worried about all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like points them out. Yeah. Like, yeah, all these centrists over here. Um, at one point, I don't know if it was in the same debate or earlier debate. Um, he like straight up confronted Obama. Like, tell me, Barack, who do you want to nuke? Like, <laughs> s- like, just no fucks given. Um, and interestingly, so he ran for president again in 2020, um, qualified for the first debate, but the DNC changed the rules such that they kept him out of it, though they later changed the rules again to ensure that Mike Bloomberg was able to get in them. So shout out to the DMC for being an inherently democratic institution. But um, his campaign in 2020 was run by like two teenagers who just like cranked out fire memes about Gravel's leftist um, anti-military stances, which frequently went viral, which then helped build the senator's profile among the inter- younger generations who may not have been as politically conscious during his 2008 run or who were aware of his earlier activism. I didn't know about the Pentagon Papers shit until I started seeing his memes on Instagram in 2020. I was like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? I gave him like five bucks or something. Um, so once, you know, it's clear that he wasn't going to get the nod, um, Gravel and the teens then mobilized their internet cloud to launch the Gravel Institute, which is a left-wing response to YouTube propaganda machines like PragerU. We've mentioned that so they put before. Out tons of, yeah, they put out tons of dope videos about leftism, about socialism, about just like, you know, in the same, same like, just to combat the uh, very pervasive, like, you know, because the YouTube algorithm is like, oh, it just keeps recommending you videos, recommending videos, and next time you're, down, you're going down the rabbit hole and you're watching this thing about how... I don't know, fucking critical race theory is well, bullshit I mean, or like Prager, racism Prager doesn't U exist. Because of PragerU. PragerU is yeah. going, they're kind of going uh, a bit nuts recently for, for so PragerU, you know, they put out these political videos and stuff like that and they've got these funny animations with them that's like really like, like it's aimed for children almost, like Schoolhouse Rock It is. Sometimes of, people will use and them they in use, schools. Yeah, teachers sometimes will teachers use, use them in schools. Yeah. And, um, I mean, some of the videos that they've been releasing of late, like, I'm not even exaggerating when I say some of, like, they had one that was damn near pro-slavery. You know what I mean? It was talking, yeah. <laughs> it was talking oh, about yeah. the, oh, the yeah. Jim Brown revolution like it was a bad thing and shit. So, I mean, they, they, um, they're definitely doing their part to radicalize people. So things like the Gravel Institute 
having more stuff like that, you know, more media campaigns like that, I think is valuable in combating some of that stuff because this right wing yeah, extremism so, shit is real shit. It's real shit. So, shouts out to Senator Gravel, R.I.P. Feel like if to honor his memory, if you're so inclined, go watch. First of all, go watch some of their videos. They're really good. If you like them, go subscribe on Patreon. Kick them like five bucks a month. Because, like, pra- like PragerU, like, those motherfuckers are, like, funded by the fucking Koch brothers. Like, yeah. they have, like, cash on hand. Millions of dollars at their exposure. Millions all of, of these right-wingers hand. do. Like, all, you know, all of these right-wing pundits yeah. and right-wing media ecosystems. It's all funded by right-wing billionaires. You know, you would think with all the rich motherfuckers who are quote-unquote progressive or liberal or whatever that, you know, the, the left would have its own funding for endeavors like this, but, but they yeah, don't. Know, right? so. Yeah, but no, all we have is the grassroots, so, you know, go check out their videos on YouTube. If you like them, Pitch go, some bucks if you, you know, can. become a patron on Patreon, keep his work alive, because definitely without the Gravel Institute, the, you know, Gen Z, even millennials, like, would not even know about this man and his, like, very admirable... You know, it's like his amazing career. And so that's one way he can keep his memory alive. But um, unfortunately, he was not the only legend that we lost last week. Yeah. Um, the hip hop community suffered yet another crushing blow with the death of uh, Blackalicious MC Gift of Gab, who was born by the name Timothy Parker, uh, born in San Sacramento. Um, one of the sharpest lyricists in the game. Yeah, like... Um, yeah. Go, it goes without saying, gifted Gab, you know, one of the one of the goats, and and I mean, you know, heads were saying that before he passed. So he he was a really spectacular MC. Yeah. So several of their, um, you know, albums were very celebrated from 1999's NIA, 2002's Blazing Arrow, for which people may remember. I think that was Alphabet Aerobics was on that one. Um, most recently, Blacklicious is putting the finishing touches on the sequel to their 2015 album, Imani Volume 1, aptly titled Imani Volume 2. Hopefully we'll get to hear that um, soon. I don't know why. I don't know where they were at in the production of it when Gift of Gab passed. But for today, we wanted to take a quick look back at Imani Volume 1, particularly the song Blacka, which is a fucking banger if you ask me. <laughs> I just fucking love this song. It's so good. Let's check out a little bit of this. Uh, Aborigines black like original man expand through a circle drifting in a sky with God planet man in his own image holding Yeah, so pretty much he's just like, you know, I'm blacker than this, I'm blacker than that. I think it's really interesting that he's like I'm blacker than Atlanta, living in close proximity to Atlanta and people that knowing that it occupies its place in the public consciousness of like black Mecca, while knowing at the same time like the gentrification that's happening there, the way that the black misleadership class, the neo neoliberals like Keisha Lance Bottoms, their mayor, as well as the whole city council or like legislate in ways that like do a lot of damage to black people um the way that the civil rights movement era of leadership kind of abdicated their i don't want to say responsibility to bring to raise up new leaders and so there's like this um this gap generationally in like black leadership in atlanta where you have like the bernice kings and the andrew youngs and the john lewis's and then there's just like the, the next generation down you don't have anyone because they all did their shit. They were like, all right, I'm out. And so, like, there's just a lot of, like, it's. I just, like, thought it was really funny that it's the first thing that com- comes out in the very first verse. Because, like, when you get down into the nitty-gritty of Atlanta, it's actually deeply problematic and not just, like, this black uh, oasis, 
that everyone wants to pretend it is. Yeah. It's a lot better than some places. I go there and I'm like, shit. Black, like in Athens, black people don't have anything nice, like at all. Shit. So I go to Atlanta, I'm like, oh, black people have some nice things. Like what? <laughs> they all got like bars that are nice that you get to go to, and like you don't get kicked out for wearing like, you know, a fucking base of ba- basketball hat. Like, what? Um. But yeah, he goes through talking about blacker than this, blacker than that. He shouts out Marcus Garvey, shouts out Poor Righteous Teachers, uh, shouts out Rosa Parks. He shouts out a lot of black political figures and black nationalism broadly. Um, and yeah, it's just a banger. What was on. your first exposure to Black Alicious? Oh, it was absolutely Alphabet Aerobics. I feel like yeah. that was such a... Before going viral was a thing, I feel like that was a viral hit of just like the novelty of of it yeah i mean I, I, it's it's hard for me to even explain that, was the, that yeah. was the first thing that i heard i remember shit i remember the year it was like 2002 i want to say my older brother put me onto it he's like yeah yeah check this out and i remember hearing it and then not even like really checking for their music for like a, a, a few years after that just remembering that song and not even knowing the mc's name i thought his name was blacklicious i didn't know it was a group you know what i mean so then yeah, like yeah. later later on you know I, I i think it was like when i really started getting into like you know making music and booking shows and stuff like that that i started actually meeting people who knew him personally you know what i'm saying so then that's when i, I started like taking more of an interest in his work as an mc and i started went back and, and checked out their stuff it's it sucks yeah. yo i feel like this past two years you know we've just been you know we've been losing greats left and right you know and and not even you know it never ends yeah it never ends all right what we got next Ken Kleppenstein and uh, this diss track that was released against him. So it's kind of this is kind of dipping our toes into Twitter drama somewhat, but has real world implications for like, you know, um, the relationship between people who work for the state and the high and high up capacities where they have access to docu- to you know confidential or classified information and their relationship with investigative journalists and like you know what is their role or responsibility. Or the morality of leaking, etc. Yeah, I think comes into play with this a little bit. So, um, you want me to read this part? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Ken Clampenstein is an investigative journalist, formerly of the Nation, and now he's with the Intercept. He's uh, famous for giving voice for whistleblowers in the military and big corporations like Amazon. For example, when Amazon denied allegations that workers were pissing in bottles because they were under such pressure to meet shipping quotas, Ken obtained internal Amazon documents from which higher-ups acknowledged and discussed the realities that the workers were pissing in bottles. So he totally owned those motherfuckers on that. Completely owned them. He's also famed famed on Twitter for trolling politicians. For example, he recently tricked the uh, scandal-ridden Matt Gates into retweeting an image of Lee Harvey Oswald in military gear saying, thank you for your service. This in turn caused Matt Gates to, uh, you know, he retweeted it unknowingly. And then um, I think Candace Owens and some other conservatives started getting on him and they were like, oh, uh, how disrespectful is it if you left this? How dare to you Photoshop, Photoshop him into military, into military it's like gear? Like they're completely unaware history. that Lee Harvey Oswald was a Marine and, you know, just just masterclass level troll shit. So the Intercept has this podcast called "You Constructed." They had Chelsea Manning on to discuss uh, life in prison and leaking, and just sort of her life now that she's out. She got her sentence commuted. She was sentenced. Well, first of all, okay, so she was detained in 2011 for leaking evidence of U.S. war crimes. 
and was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Her sentence got commuted by President Obama. She went back to jail, I think, in 2017 for, like, refusal to testify in court or some shit. And then got let out again um, during COVID. So she's, like, pretty newly out of prison. Um, and so they had a chat on the Intercept's Deconstructed podcast. And um, interestingly, like, Julian Assange stands got pissed that she seeming that Manning seemingly threw her fellow whistleblower under the bus. Um, I listened. I listened to the podcast. What did she I don't say? Understand. Like talking. Uh, she got talking about like because I mean Julian Assange is a, you know he's one of for me he's like a peculiar character because like on one hand it's like I appreciate the WikiLeaks exposing the war crimes that happened during the Iraq War, but then on the other hand he like very clearly seems like a Trump supporter (laughs) you know what I mean so it's like I don't know why those two things can't both be true and both exist you know what I mean and it's like hey it was cool he exposed that but also I don't fuck with him because he's on some weird Trump shit and that's I think what the the ire was of like sort of casting somewhat of you know side eye on him for that stuff but some people really affirm that like He's a hero for WikiLeaks, and fuck you, I guess, Chelsea Mint. Like, I, I, I don't know how someone could tell someone that went to prison for bringing truth to light about U.S. war crimes, you know, yeah. uh, got out and transitioned, uh, you know, as like a, like, not only battling the PTSD of being in prison, but just like living, discrimin- you know, the ex- discrimination she must face as a trans woman, etc., and it's like, be like, fuck you, because you don't like my favorite whistleblower. I, it's really weird. I think, well, I mean, Julian Assange has, like, this weird sort of, like, cult, like, internet cult thing built around him. So I think it might just be a little bit of, for so long, the people who have really been speaking out about, like, oh, I, they don't like Julian Assange has mainly been libs. You know what I mean? Because of the Hillary Clinton stuff. So I think sure, for such sure. a long time, it's it's very easy to be like, oh, dismiss libs who don't like Julian Assange. But then to hear it coming from Chelsea Manning's mouth is like, eh, I don't really fuck with the nigga. <laughs> I think it's like a hard thing for them to kind of come to terms with, like, can't compute. Why does she not like him too? Mal- yeah. Malfunctioning systems failing, you know. <laughs> So this whole conversation gave rise to this diss track against King Clippenstein. I'm here to paint a picture of an alternate dimension where Julian Assange is being showered with affection and Ken fucking Clippenstein's in infinite detention. Uh, it was kind of cringy. Most of it doesn't even rhyme. Uh, I don't know. I don't fuck with this. Content-wise, it's just, yeah. It's, I, I don't understand the, the purpose of this at all. Like, Of all the issues you could raise up, of all the injustices happening in the world, yeah. uh, kids ain't got no fucking clean drinking water, niggas getting shot by the military in Myanmar, fucking. Yeah, you're making a diss song for a investigative journalist, like a rap song. Like, yeah, man, like that. This shit's this shit's corny, man. I, I... It's not even as corny as it's gonna get on the show today because. Oh, oh, oh no no no! We're on a roll today. Like like today, our our music discussion stuff is like we got like some whack stuff for you. Like 
So this next one, we're going to talk about this song. We're, a little, we're three weeks late on it, but we had better shit to do. But um, it's this song by this rapper, Tom McDonald, track called Snowflake. Now, before we check this out, just to give you a little rundown, Tom McDonald is a Canadian rapper and singer and former professional wrestler. And he kind of rose to prominence back in 2018 when he dropped the song called White Boy which he was pretty much kind of going over the grievances that the straight white cis man was an endangered species and all society is against them and they can't say what they want and they're taking our stuff and yada yada, all of that stuff. But it ended up becoming kind of a hit low-key with the MAGA crowd. And uh, he he had been around for a bit. I, you know, as far as like being like a, a underground artist, I'd seen some of his I'd come across some of his stuff in the past but once he dropped that white boy thing and the MAGA crowd kind of started gravitating towards it just like all the other right wing grifters he kind of discovered that that was going to be his niche so he continued on the you know subsequent years dropping track after track in that vein and during uh, 2020 he dropped the singles I Don't Care and Coronavirus the latter of which was written about the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it was criticized for factual inaccuracies, misleading verses, and weak analysis. You know, just like pretty much rap propaganda, but, you know, in the vein of like white boy frat rap. So three weeks ago, I, you know, he, he released what is now a viral hit which is a snowflake and you know it's been out for three weeks it already has eight million listens and the magas are in love with this shit let's check out a little bit of if america's so terrible and racist it probably isn't safe to encourage immigration just saying all the contradictions are embarrassing you know who hates america the most americans Trigger- so <laughs> what do you what do you think about that i mean i guess i like Pretty with just as almost much as much like skepticism and contempt of like rap music made in good faith in the sense of like coming from an authentic place within black culture um, that is still harmful to black people. I think I mean a lot of the stuff he's talking about is harmful to black people for sure. Uh, a lot of hip, I mean, there's I could name other artists that aren't doing it on purpose, you know, that are just kind yeah. of like reiterating tropes that are common within the culture that are still you know not uh they're not uplifting to to the culture to the community um i i think that it's it's obviously like a gimmick of like ooh i'm going to be controversial in order to get clicks and so yeah. but with with that i just don't feel very impressed i'm just like that's it's that's low hanging fruit my dude well low it actually fruit, is my dude he's actually like the a culmination of what's been a trend for like the last five years which has been especially like on the underground which is like racist white dudes who aren't really like that talented at anything like musically so they start rapping and it's like they rap but they're they're like completely like right wing you know what i'm saying and and that's actually like becoming like a thing like its own genre now the video for this thing, you know, it it fig- it features you know him walking on you know a, a makeshift protest set, and you know he complains about BLM is the terrorist, and you know we can't say what we want, and yada yada. It also features an appearance by a YouTube star Blair White, 
Now, I don't know. What's the best way to describe Blair White? I Blair think, White. I think, yeah, I think she's the trans Candace Owens, and that yeah, like she's she's trans she's woman like, that's very hot and like t- and like uses her identity as a weapon against or trans like people against trans people. I'm mean, like, oh, I'm not like other trans people. I don't actually want rights or like I don't know. It's very bizarre. <laughs> well, I mean, she's kind of like the alt right token trans. So yeah. like, if if like if you, if one of them if you call one of them out on saying some hateful shit about trans people, then she's like their cover of like, no, but I like Blair White, and she says they're evil too. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that's like the purpose that she serves in the right-wing media ecosystem. But I mean, just her featuring in this video, you know what I mean? Like, if there was any doubt that that, uh, Tom McDonald's a grifter and is kind of riding a wave... um, her her featuring in the video is like the clear cut stamp that that's that's the the line the the vein that he's in you know what I mean like, so. it's like a human dog whistle yeah exactly exactly yeah. so so with that we're not going to turn to our conversation with Jonathan Bailey um, super inspiring organizer out of New York City Queens specifically uh, let's listen to what he has to say about organizing up in Queens and the results of the mayoral election both there. And up in Buffalo, where they elected the first socialist uh, of a major American city in 60 years. We'll be right back with that interview after the jump. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. We're here with Amazonians United co-founder, former co-chair of the Queens branch of the New York City Democratic Socialists of America, a uh, an alumnus of the um, 2018 campaign for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 
and former candidate for New York City Council in District 26, Jonathan Bailey. Wow, you have such a resume. Holy hell. Um, so we're going to talk about the outcomes of the New York elections, both mayoral, some city council races. Um, maybe briefly talk about the victory of Buffalo Socialist Mayor-elect India Walton, as well as Jonathan's labor organizing and other struggles that he has taken on in his activism. So, Jonathan, thank you for being here with us today. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I am so excited to be here. Um, actually, okay, awesome. so I have to tell you, uh, Mariah, um, I like, like, when I saw you on Twitter, I was like, oh my gosh. It's that lady who, like, was riding the bike and flipping off that one, too. Oh, shit. You fucking <laughs> like, know about that? I, no, I knew. Oh, I knew, no. I knew right away. I was like, it's that lady with the fro who's, like, it's blowing in her hair. Like, I knew. Like, oh, my and then, fucking and God. And then she, like, swore in on Malcolm X's biography. I know exactly who that is. Like, I was Yo, so stoked. that is so funny. Well, yeah. shit. Well, that's. Yeah. That is hilarious. It, it was um, a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Word. And then all you did, you were just like in my comments, like, oh, I'll come on your podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this guy seems so cool. Like, holy shit. I was really I was excited like, to have you. I was like, oh shit, oh shit. She doesn't even know. I'm going to slide in and I'm going to just be her friend. And she's not going to even know <laughs> yes. that I've like been geeking Absolutely. out about like about the shit that y'all been involved with like well, sure. yeah. oh my god thank well, you that's for taking awesome. the time to come and talk with us yeah absolutely yeah. so yeah. tell us a little bit more about yourself how did you get into labor organizing and I'm particularly curious how that if at all influenced your decision to run for city council yeah um, well like I, I mean for me like I, I came to activism like I'm sure like a lot of black liberation activists like, I experienced, like, you know, I, like, I, I was homeless during my, like, early adult years, you know, the, during the Great Recession, you know, um, actually, like, a lot of people don't realize this, but it's actually a majority of, like, uh, like, a majority of, um, black boys that are in, like, the foster care system or, like, go through adoption, like, literally a majority of us end up homeless uh, during, like, our, like, very early adult years, um, which I, like, actually found out much later, but, like, you know, I'm sure during the Great Recession, um, that was, like, that was just, like, a ton of us. So, like, that's kind of, like, that's kind of how I started off uh, my, like, young adulthood, and, like, that exposed me to, like, a lot of a lot of stuff with police and um you know that led yeah. me to like trying to figure out okay like how do we do something about this you know which of course led me to like you know the civil rights era uh to like the black panthers uh you know through like maoism and socialism and like figuring out okay like what types of, of politics actually lead to like liberation from police violence and you know what are the different ways that that we can fight um was that a, a <laughs> so, gradual was it a gradual thing or was there like a specific moment that kind of made you think oh, okay yeah this is what i'm gonna start doing now because this stuff is messed up well so like i, I mean it, like for me it was like a bit gradual i guess well because like I, i'm kind of at the point now where like my entire life is kind of like wrapped around um uh, I'm sorry, hold up. <laughs> One moment. <laughs> I just realized, um, hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so, like, I, I mean, like, 
I, oh, I was saying, like, I, I like, I'm kind gradual. of now at a point where, like, a lot, like, all of my life is kind of, like, built around, like, activist stuff. And, like, I mean, that, that's, like, a process, <laughs> you know? Um, but, like, I, I still, I, I actually, like, didn't, I, it's not like that I wanted to be, like, an activist or do, like, political stuff. <laughs> I actually, I actually wanted to be a ballroom dancer. <laughs> oh, word. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, like, I, um, I was going to school for, uh, uh, like, music ed while also, um, like pursuing like a career within within ballroom because I was like nope that's what I want to do with my life. Um, no, that's dope as hell. Th- thank you, thank you. Um, the thing is though, the World Dance Sport Federation um, ended up uh, deciding that it wanted to take over the world of hip hop. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. like this, yeah, like a multi billion dollar industry, like born out of the African diaspora. Uh, you know, like. And I, I mean, a lot of people don't know this because it's basically like what like country music is to uh, Black America, um, like ballroom dance is to like you know I don't know like the like to like dance you know yeah. like the dance uh, world yeah, okay, yeah 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 like a lot of people don't know that like basically all of like ballroom dances come out of African diaspora. It's like yeah, I didn't. I didn't it's know like, that shit at all. Wow, yeah, I it's like, not know that at all. Yeah, it's like three of them that don't. Like, oh, if you look in like in like the Latin dances, like like cha cha, samba, rumba, um, paso comes out of out of Europe. You know, paso doble, um, uh, and and then jive as well is like is Black American. But like all of those all of those dances, but one come out of the African diaspora. And even within like ballroom, like Foxtrot and Quickstep come out of Black America, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's only like it's only like waltz and like tango comes out of uh, out of Latin America. But you know, uh, like Foxtrot, like can you can trace the origins of Foxtrot back to um, when uh, when like dancing was outlawed on like slave plantations. Um, yeah, wow. yeah, like, you know, the, the, like, the passing of the feet, um, uh, is, like, in Foxtrot, like, it, that you can trace back to, uh, you know, like, cer- like, the way that dancing was outlawed, like, how it was, uh, like, um, like, how those, like, laws were, like, codified, because, like, dancing at the time then was, like, defined as, like, crossing of, like, the the feet and the knees. And so, like, <laughs> like, Whoa, like, yeah, like, what? our ancestors just being petty as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna pass the, the feet. Um, so, like, I mean, you can, you can, like, trace, like, these, these movements, like, uh, all throughout, like, you know, like really far back through our history here, like, and so it's like really cool, right? But like the thing is, like, you would not know any of that, right? So like, there's yeah, all these no, people. No, I never, I never learned any of that. Yeah, yeah, I know it's super weird and it's super odd, and it's like how like basically the way that like uh, like country music, like people don't like really think or like you know, it's not really part of the the like I don't know our like 
American consciousness that it's、mm-hmm. you know originates in Black America, but like that's that's uh that's ballroom. It's it's very much like born out of the African diaspora and <coughs> the uh the Imperial Society of Dance. Yeah, literally has the name Imperial within it.、Um, oh that, really?、Uh, yeah, that, yeah. People still think that's fucking cool.、What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, well, bro,、I'm, that's not it. No,、nah, that's not what we want. <laughs> but. The, The thing is, it's like a very old like institution, right? And yeah, and it's 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 like it's. I feel like like for anybody who has just like an ounce of like awareness within them, they realize how like like uncomfy it is, right? Like,、yeah. I mean, at 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 the very least, like you named your like organization, you put Imperial in the name, anyways, anyways. So like. When、uh, the World Dance Sport Federation,、um, you know, turned its sights to like hip hop,、um, like you know,、uh, my partner and I, we were like, we were, we were bold and outspoken in the injustice of it because <clears throat> obviously it's like continuing a trend of imperialism of cultural appropriation that has happened for you know a hundred years. Again, shifting a multi-billion-dollar industry out of the hands of the stewards of it, of that of that art form, of the people who like gave rise to it and have like, and and who who have you know been been stewards of the art form,、um, into the hands of like folks who have been colonizing,、uh, you know, art forms out of the African diaspora for a hundred years, and so like we were like, okay, we're the Only people that I know like can see it and will like be able to call it out, and so like we went super hard. We were valiant, but it definitely made it like like r- right afterwards. Like our uh our like results in competition just tanked. Like just like just completely Yo, yeah what? yeah like no. Well, well, yeah. Like two, maybe three different like three placements, but like we went from like this com this one competition. I remember we were third like the year before, like、uh, second or third, and like that like next year right after we were like going hard, we like we were like second to last. We didn't make it out of the quarterfinal. We didn't make it to the semifinal.、What? Not to mention the final. Like. It was like very, very like clear, like oh, you know, and so we we're like we we're just kind of looking at this, and we we're like, okay,、um, you know,、uh, a career of like fighting for the type of change that we want to see in the world isn't really compatible with like a, with you know a career within、uh, you know the dance industry, and、yeah. so we were like, okay, we should like probably like. Figure out more stuff to do with our lives, and so like I don't know, like after that time, we like really I think you know dove in a lot more within our activism. You know, we had more time on our hands. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
and, uh, yeah, I'm coming down, like, uh, coming back from having a cold, um, uh, you're good, uh, uh, but, um, yeah, um, so, yeah, we had more time on our hands, and certainly, you know, engaged in a lot more activism, and kind of explored some, like, different things that we, uh, you know, we're like trying to figure out, you know, what things we wanted to pursue. But yeah, that's that really like cleared a lot of time to be doing a lot more activism. So when I say that I didn't mean to like be an activist, I really mean like I didn't like this wasn't a thing, but it became a thing by like the, the situation, you know, um, uh, kind of uh, not having you know, when, like, the door closes to what you've been trying to do with your life, you know, it it definitely is itself, like, a radicalizing thing, you know? Um, yeah. And so, like, a lot yeah. of, like, the politics were there, and, um, you know, now, like, the, the politics and the time are, like, are aligned, and so, you know, we've been particularly involved with, like, you know, fighting issues around, like, policing, um you know, uh, issues around, like, uh, you know, our carceral system within the U.S., um, you know, issues around, like, gentrification quite a bit, um, you know, it, it being New York and everything, um, uh, as, as well as, um, you know, like, labor issues, because, you know, um, you know, uh, like, liberate, liberation kind of starts with uh, us being able to keep a few more dollars in our pockets. <laughs> So uh, June 22nd was uh, Election Day and Amazon Prime Day, and you were running to represent the district where Amazon HQ resides. So uh, right, talk to us a, right. a bit about some of your experiences working okay, on that Okay, first of all, like, first of all, like, come on, like, come on, Internet, like, if there's something that's, like, novel as fuck to, like, <laughs> you know. fuck, yeah, come like, on, where, people. Yeah, where are you, internet? Like, seriously. Yeah, that let's, is... let's, let's, let's boost the, the the labor organizer at Amazon. Yeah. Who's re- trying to run in the district where Amazon HQ2 is. Are yeah, you kidding me? Get, let's do get, this. Okay, but, like, get this for, like, a total media, like, freeze out, right? Um, Because, yeah. like, I mean, like, it's not just that it was the district. Like, I'm... Like, so that fight made the cover of the New York Times, right? It's, like, one of the biggest housing fights within our lifetime. Like, legit. And, like, like the the cover photo on the New York Times is me holding a sign, like, saying no <laughs> handouts what? for... A- yeah. No, no, seriously. I am on the cover of the New York Times for that fight. Because, um, like, I was, like... And so when you say that fight, you're talking about, like, the, the the city or state of New York cutting deals with Amazon to try to attract their... Yeah. Their uh, yeah. HQ there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, get this. Like, I was involved with a city council race um, uh, uh, back in 2017. Like, we were, like... We noticed there were, like, a lot of uh, projects being passed, right? That were, like, gentrifying the area. And, like, so, uh, as, like, kind of a... Uh, as kind of, like, a campaign against it, you know, uh, there was somebody who, like, you know, was in the area who, like, wanted to run for city council, and I mean, it was, like, a long shot, and, like, you know, there wasn't really a chance of winning, but, like, um, you know, he, like, spoke out against, like, gentrification, um, you know, uh, and, you know, like, it, it made sense as, like, another component to, like, this campaign to fight, uh, a lot of developments that were coming up. Um, 
and so like I, like me and some there's like a, there was actually like a lot of anarchists in the area that like you know were fighting um uh uh like you know fighting like different developments that were coming up and yeah so like we we made like a whole thing of it and i i mean of course like you know uh like we lost or the, the candidate actually just kind of dropped out uh and then oh, like word. and then like weeks later this the current council member uh wrote a letter to like jeff bezos saying please 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 bring amazon hq to oh, here right no right oh, right no. yeah oh no 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 right. no no and then like uh fast forward um you know uh a year and a half uh um and um you know amazon like has announced that they're coming to the district and i'm like looking at this stuff and i'm like oh my gosh like the city council member legit wrote jeff bezos like a month didn't even just like vote yes on the proposal they were like like, yeah licking the boots yeah hardcore yeah yeah and i was like this happened weeks after like like uh our candidate dropped out of the race and i'm just like oh my gosh but like you know we like jumped in hard in that fight um uh queen's uh dsa housing working group like really threw down um and you know lots of other groups in the in the community as well like you know like really threw down and like you know all, all together our like collective efforts you know were able to to uh to to sway the situation which is like super dope and like yeah and legit like you know it obviously wasn't like Jonathan defeated Amazon HQ2 but I got to be on the the front. Of, I mean, shit. <laughs> well, I, I got to be on the the front page of uh, the New York Times for it, and um, so like, so like, like I know that like, and and I like, I've like talked to like some journalists from the New York Times because like you know, like I don't know things have been. I mean, in case you haven't noticed, things have been fucking crazy in Queens. Okay, <laughs> right? Like they have yeah. been crazy. Um, there's been so many things going on here and I've been involved with like a lot of it. And so like when like like I'm like, okay, come on, y'all. Like this city council race, like like, you know, I'm a co-founder of Amazon. What could be more United. iconic? Yeah, I'm like, come on. Like, and that's why I'm also like, internet, where are you at? Like, this is novel. <laughs> like, this is legit novel. Like, it, 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 you don't have to like you don't have to like care maybe specifically uh, or even like know what my politics are even like just the novelty of it alone is hilarious like it's a joke you know i'm like but like i don't know we were pretty su- successfully frozen out like um yeah like that's fascinating yeah nobody nobody wanted to talk about about this like i don't know that that and that actually honestly gets kind of to the broader like like uh kind of political issues and barriers that we met in our race because like i don't know there's a bazillion reasons to talk about it even if it's just for memes because it's mad hilarious you know um but like uh we were like frozen out just because of like the way that it like kind of the the like the political significance i mean like like i'm i've been very very clear that like i'm a socialist you know I, I'm like I, I'm I'm not uh, here like for social democracy. I want to see working people be like liberated all the way. Like 
you know, workers workers have built the world, and um, that's right. You know, we 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 deserve to lead it. You know, um, and like at, like there's still not a very like clear understanding of like the the difference between like uh, like progressives and like and socialists. You know, like I always try yeah. to tell people like, hey, like progressives. They like organize people to ask people with power to give us stuff. Whereas socialists, we organize in such a way in which we have power, and then we just flex it, you know. <laughs> and like, like people will be like, "Oh, okay," like you know. But like, the the folks with the power understand these power dynamics better than we as like working people do right now. Um, and so it's mm-hmm. like really easy to like clamp down on folks like uh, like me. Uh, without like people really having an understanding of like the po- the political significance of it, um, and so if if you know um, folks like me kind of just go off and say, okay, I'm gonna fight it whether uh, I I have the support or not, um, it can end up being disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah. You, t- you talk some about, like, what socialism means in municipal politics, which is a question I often ask myself as well, you know, not having the the um, resources or the authority of, like, the federal government to do these, like, broad restructurings we all hope and imagine would happen um, with that sort of, um, yeah, with that sort of authority. But, you know, there are things you still can do at the municipal level. And I was also really curious... Um, about what anti-colonialism, like how that intersects with municipal politics for you, because that's actually something I hadn't thought about. I mean, like, you know, I, it's something like I'm down for, but like yeah. in terms of how that translates into policy is something I'm still trying to figure out as an elected official. So yeah. what for you, um, how do you see those two intersecting in the way, munici- the, the possibilities of municipal politics? Um, yeah, no, that's so dope. I'm so- I'm so stoked that we're here right now having this conversation together, by the way. Um, I'm just like, oh, no, things happen so right for my life. <laughs> um, uh, like, I, I don't know. Okay, so, like, I don't know. I'd be interested, actually, to hear, like, what you think about this. But, um, like, I, I, so, like, um, uh, um, I, I'm, like, trying to remember now, uh, like, Huey Newton, like, uh, kind of, like, specified the ideas around, like, uh, like, international, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what did, what did he call it? Like, I'm uh, literally reading the Huey P. Newton reader right now, and I'm really ashamed that I can't okay. remember what you're like, talking about. <laughs> I mean, you haven't like, got to that part in the book yet. <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, like, having, like, uh, communities, like, around the world, uh, sharing this, like, this international project, you know, um, international com- communalism, something like that. I can't remember the name of it. So, like, when I uh, when I first heard it, and I haven't like I haven't done it nearly as much reading I, uh, as I should have about it, but I like did a while ago. And when I heard that, I just like was so like, oh yeah, like that makes so much sense from like the Black American perspective because like like we. we are like we we have a national identity in relationship specifically to the struggle against white supremacy like you know um like black america is you know it, it's it's a capital b because it's a national identity um uh there is like this national identity that has um arisen out of the struggle and fight against white supremacy 
um, like uh, everything from like there's a bazillion cultural markers that are built out of that fight to recreate a sense of identity, uh, you know, um, to, to replace the, the one that has been stolen from us. And so like, like that, like all of those things are like so clear to me and it's clear, like the ways in which we exist also as like a national identity without like, you know, a, a nation, like without, or without a state, you know, um, and how we exist within communities across the U S and like how those communities are, are colonized and colonial violence is executed on them, uh, through the form of, of policing, you know? And, and so like whether, um, you know, we might not experience the, the same type of colonialism that is exercised on, um, uh, nations, uh, internationally, you know, we're not, we're not colonized on like on you know nation state borders but on like you know the borders of redlining but like you know whether it's militarized police or like the regular military it's like the same people same with concept. the same with the same fucking gear like yeah. you know uh like turning that that like that uh force like that colonial violence force on 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 us and and so like for me it's like really easy just to think about like colonialism is just like a phenomenon of like, you know, groups of people trying to exercise uh, dominion over, over others based upon some facet of their identity, whether that border is drawn uh, geographically or racially or on gender or, um, you know, on, on sexual identity. Like it's all just colonialism and it, Yo, you know, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had never thought about it like that, like fighting back, like against like, you know, militarized policing or policing in general is like, oh, yeah, that's a colonial project or like labor exploitation. Like, oh, that's a colonial project. Like who is doing, you know, who colonized subjects are the ones who are getting their labor exploited. Yeah. So like that is that there's the link. There it is right there. So, yeah, actually, that is super helpful to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're actually running out of time. So I wanted to ask you oh. one last question about. Uh, the mayor's races, both y'alls in New York City, and then one that turned out, in my opinion, a little bit better <laughs> yeah. um, in up in Buffalo, uh, you know, north of you all. <laughs> so what are your reactions to both how things shook out in um, in uh, the Big Apple and the election of uh, India Walton to, uh, to uh, well, she won the primary for the Democratic primary for um, mayor up in Buffalo, which I think I, my understanding is that it's perceived as like more conservative upstate. But like, surprise, surprise, bitch! We got a fucking socialism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what are your thoughts on both of those? Uh, bo- the way both of those races shook out. Well, I, I mean, the New York, uh, like mayor, the primary is like sad and <laughs> stupid. Um, and, and I mean, okay, so part of it though, I, I think it's really important to like acknowledge uh, the role that. Um, uh, that like the nonprofit industrial complex and like with it the specific characteristics of our like professional managerial class um, yeah. here in New York exercises over um, uh, o- over electoral politics. Um, it's like that as a thing here in New York is very different than most places. Um, 
the reason why, like, we have, like, so many progressive wins, um, just, like, right out of the bat, uh, has a lot to do with, um, these, like, existing, uh, like, power structures being able to, um, exert themselves, uh, electorally for, like, our, our wins, um, and, um, you know, in, in the case of, like, the mayoral election here, it's just, like, everybody's, like, asleep at the wheel, like, like, we could have done something about it, you know, um, like, socialists, especially folks who, like, kind of draw their, their power, um, outside of, like, the, the nonprofit industrial complex, I mean, we certainly didn't have enough power to really exercise, uh, any, any, like, you know, we, we couldn't really, like, do much, uh, in, in terms of trying to, to have any kind of outcome on the mayoral race. I, I, at least in my opinion, I don't think that we're really at the point where we could do anything but just kind of be, like, sidekicks, you know? Um, later in the future, you know, hopefully we'll be able to exercise a lot more, um, a, a lot more, um, you know, influence, but, but basically, yeah. I, I look at like the nonprofits, and I'm just like, "Yo, y'all just sleep at the wheel," um, because like we didn't need to have uh, Eric Adams. It's just, I mean, that's who we got now because like you know, I mean, we didn't have anything together for like all. I, I mean, what Maya Wiley ended up being the the pick, like what, like yeah. a cup, like a couple weeks before you know we're just so all over the place um so i'm just kind of disappointed it's just kind of sad um uh i don't know it's 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 hopefully our our city council will be uh you know have enough progressives and leftists in it that you know we're able to at least fight whatever terrible shit he's gonna throw at us yeah what do you think about what happened up in buffalo yo it's awesome like I mean, <laughs> we're, all, we're all stoked about it right like we're all like oh shit yeah i mean i like i, I don't know enough about like uh some of the in- internal dynamics uh of buffalo to like be able to call how significant of of a win it is like i don't know um like to what extent like uh good like left labor stuff is like the basis of power for like putting um putting her in um i mean that like that's the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is like what is the relationship of like nonprofits and organized labor there and like as well as activists and like who exerted the most uh, uh, control and influence to, to place her there? And, like, what is that power dynamic going to look like in the future? But, like, I mean, come on, you know? Like, she, you know, she's, like, hella working class. Like, everything about how she's, like, come up in uh, within organizing and political struggle is so badass. It's just she's dope and it's so awesome that she's on i think i think like i I don't know anybody who's like like annoyed uh, about it because i know that they'll be like 
I know that there's gonna be like haters, haters out there. Out some sort of yeah, thing. But yeah. like, I don't even care. Like, it's dope. Like, I like you know. Hopefully, hopefully, like the the power of it is organized uh, well enough in a way that like you know results in in future wins. I feel like. I feel like there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that here in New York that we didn't really, like, plan for, for, like, our wins and kind of how power would restructure itself out after those wins. Um, and I really hope that they, like, I don't know, we're looking and asking questions so that, like, they don't fall into some of the same pitfalls. Um, and actually, frankly, I don't think that anybody's really talking about that. Um, cause like, I, I mean, most people won't talk about it because it, it talking about those things will affect your future career <laughs> prospects. You know, I, I mean, it's true. You're right. Like, um, uh, but I really, I, I hope that they're like thinking about that because that will kind of determine, uh, its significance, um, for, for the future. I mean, like having, I don't know, like having a mayor, but not necessarily like, uh, like control over the the city's like like legislative um like branch yeah, like yeah, I, you gotta I, have that too for yeah sure. yeah yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta capture it all mm-hmm. um like gotta get the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah. pokemon go to the polls <laughs> um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah and uh i feel like a lot of uh a lot of like leftists outside of big cities you know we live down here in the south and so we look to places like New York for, like, where all the cool stuff happens with regards to, like, who can get power. But, like, in my, but in my actual experience is, like, yeah, like, in big cities, there's these huge political machines. You have these nonprofits that are the sleep of at the wheel of a very, very large bus. <laughs> um, but then when you move out to places where, the you know, the power structure is less, like, deeply entrenched, uh, you know, it's smaller populations... Um, places like Athens, Georgia, like we have like a third of our city council is socialist straight up because like no one was paying attention to local politics. <laughs> and so we like crept in there because it wasn't like yeah. New York City where it's like, oh, my God, everyone's paying it's attention. So like, dope. Oh, it's, it's like a, so big, dope. a big money and all the shit that you have to fight against. You don't have that. You can actually sneak in there a lot easier. Yeah. And like get shit done. And yeah. So- it's dope. No, it seriously is so cool. And like. I mean, I think in a lot of places, people don't realize, no, like, you can do this. You can do this. Uh, In New York, it's like, I mean, like, city council races here, you know, if you're not dropping, like, $200,000 on it, like, you know. Really? Yeah. Yeah. If you're not dropping $200,000 on it, you know, here, it's like, you're not going to be competitive, you know? Um, You know, like... I mean, I, I heard somewhere that the congressional race, uh, like for like uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, you know, Ocasio twenty eighteen, that that there are more voters in that race than there was in uh, uh, the Buffalo mayoral race. Like, so oh, it's like, it, yeah, it, yeah, it's like exactly, I mean, and that's not, and that's actually worse, kind of. It, yeah, like when you have smaller populations, you have fewer people you need to win in order to get in there, yeah. and make big change. But, but also, I think that the the important and interesting part is that like, like there's uh there's more relationships that aren't already like uh like structured in you know in a way in which people are making decisions out of their 
out of their own personal material interests, right? Like, um, you know, like, for instance, here in New York, we saw this, um, this, this group that I actually like, you know, that as far as nonprofits go, I like a lot more, um, uh, um, the, like, that, that just did stuff around, like, you know, fighting our carceral system, right? Um, but, you know, there was this, uh, state assembly race that they just didn't get involved in when, um, you know, when our, our branch, our, our, like, Queens DSA was, like, challenging, uh, a state assembly member that, you know, took police money that, you know, like, was just not fighting on, like, these super important issues. And it's, like, it's their bread and butter stuff as a nonprofit. And we're like, hey, y'all gonna, like, y'all gonna pull up? Are we gonna do this or not, you know? And, like, they just were like, nah. And <laughs> and it's, like, people don't don't realize the significance of... Uh, of, like, these types of institutions, like, just kind of bailing on the fight. Like, first of all, people don't understand, you know, they don't understand why that happens. They don't, people don't understand the way that the nonprofit industrial complex exists as, like, uh, a periphery of, of, like, the Democratic Party establishment, you know? And so Mm -hmm. folks will go from, like, talk, you know, people can literally say, abolish the police, and then, like, uh, then in a fight where, like, you know, like, it's not even, like, hardcore. It's just about, like, hey, let's, like, win a little bit of change. You know, they'll be like, ah, no, yeah. you know, we say that, but, like, I'm not sure if, like, we're going to yeah. fight for it, you know? Uh, like, that might not be a, a situation that we really want to get involved, you know? And it's, like, people don't get how that warps uh, the political reality of that, like, struggle, you know? It, it's just... It's bizarre. It's super bizarre. And in New York City, gosh, New York City get like takes care of so much of the work of like like providing for the people through nonprofit uh, organizations. Yeah. And so like yeah. there's a massive web of like these institutions that are reliant on like state support. And so like because of it, you have like politicians can like pocket fire um uh you know like people who work for these nonprofits right like I, i've seen it right you know uh an activist that works for a nonprofit is like super involved with uh you know protest against a certain politician and like you know suddenly next day they walk in to work and they don't got a job anymore and it's like yeah well because like you know when you have a city like new york with you know its hundred billion dollar budget you know like get so much of its work done through the nonprofits. you know they accept like money from 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 government in order to like do that work like it becomes really easy for that kind of stuff to happen whereas like in a city that doesn't have this like massive uh, nonprofit industrial complex, where like the relationships are based just more uh, upon the way that uh, that like capital and like you know like you know private capitalists exert dominion over our lives, um, and less about how like the the state uh, exerts power over our lives for. Uh, you know, for capitalists, you know, it, it creates a very different political reality. It, as soon as people are like ready to rebel, like there's not this like 
vast state apparatus to like hold them in place right like mm-hmm. their sentiments just like go all over the place and like <laughs> then they have like wild consequences within elections um which is super yeah. cool and super badass and I mean, all y'all who are, like, throwing it down and creating these awesome wins in uh, other cities, even if they're, like, small cities, it's it's so cool. It's so yeah. cool to watch. Like, I, I love seeing it. Like, I'm like, I mean... You really do. Yeah, I, really I, don't, do. I don't want nobody to be, like, jealous of New York. We got our own, like, problems that create uh, our own, like, political realities, you know? Uh, when yeah. we win here, it's it's important to like understand: uh, is it based upon like uh, working class power that we've built, or is it just based upon these already existing uh, like professional relationships? And to what extent yeah, does yeah. that mean uh, a lack of like political commitment to radical change? Right? Because like mm-hmm. I, I mean I, I think that like. In a lot of these other, like, towns, when somebody wins, it's for real. Like, it's for real, for real. There's not these, like, weird competing internal, uh, like, uh, political struggles. It's, like, the people who fought for it, that's all they were there for. Um, They don't have, like, some also, like, side interest uh, for their, like, for, for, like, in, in organization that they run. So it's, like... It, it's just a different type of, of political struggle. So, yeah, y'all are badass, you know. Keep on doing what y'all do, you know. Um, hey, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Definitely love to have you back sometime and learn more about uh, ballroom dancing <laughs> and also working at Amazon and also uh, fighting the police, all those things. Yeah. But, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Can you tell the people where they can find you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm supposed to be uh, doing that. Um, uh, You can find uh, me on Twitter. Uh, Right now it's Jonathan for Queens, but I will probably switch it back to John Fostbay. Um, J-O-N-F-O-S-T-B-A-I. And I think that, I don't know, that's probably, like, the best spot to, like, find me right now. And I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, best of luck in your future endeavors, yeah, and man. we will talk to you again one day down the road. Catch yeah. up with how the fight's going. But thanks Sounds so much. Good. Sounds Great good. Peace, Thank bro. you so much. That was Jonathan Bailey, ladies and gentlemen. You guys need to go holler at him on Twitter. He is an infinitely interesting cat. Infinitely interesting. Definitely going to have him back sometime to talk more about fucking ballroom culture. Yeah, no, that was, yeah. I, I was not joking about that. Like we really like I think that that deserves a deep dive. I think I think we need to we need to look in on 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 making a joint about that. What do you say? Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's all we got for you this week. Yo, Joe, smoke that motherfucker like it ain't no thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yo, thank y'all for tuning in while we read the headlines. They don't want us moving up, so we got the red lines. But we'll see you next time when we casting. I can't wait. This week's like I'm fasting. And I hate this sort of goodbye. But I hope you all have a good 4th of July. Bake you a cake. Go order a pie. <laughs> and an order of fries. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Dope night. I'm Lingua Franca. We are waiting on reparations. See you next, See you next week. week.
Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.